1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We got there in the end with the intro. Press the right button towards the back end. Hope you're all welcome on board to the live lounge. It is 8 p.m. or just after on a on a Monday evening. Myself, Jack Garwood, joined by just Mr. Dan Simpson.
2: Dan, how are we? Very well indeed. Very well. It's good to be back. I'll tell you how long it is since I've been on a stream. Now, granted, it's only been a few weeks. But I opened up, and I'm a lazy laptop closer, and I don't close down applications. So I reopened this window to log into our software today, and found that I still had a full page full of Thomas Cromwell facts. Um, so <laughs> which, means, which means that the last time I was on a stream was Q School. So yeah, it's been a busy, it's been a busy time in Planet Dart since then. We're underway in the Premier League. We've had a a major. Right, we we'll come to that later on. Kevin. I'm sure that'll be part
1: of the conversation. You floated that one out well earlier. Have you we bit? had
2: a major? Who knows? It depends who you talk to and who's getting interviewed, doesn't it? Whether or not we've had a major or not. Um, yeah, seniors' draws being done. Busy night. Like lo- loads going on in there. There
1: is indeed. I mean, I've literally not stopped. I've been on the socials for the Super Series again today. Same again tomorrow and the drive to Portsmouth referee as well. I uh, hope we are all well, by the way. Uh, chat room, good evening. Uh, Tommy Zini says, good evening, folks. Owen says exactly the same. Uh, Dell is in from ABM Floorcare. Hope you're well, buddy. James is in too. HOV uh, says, congratulations, Stephen Bunton, for winning the Mick. Uh, Masters, yeah, we'll get to that comment uh, throughout the night. Kieran He says, good evening, as does Zane. Uh, Stuart says, MVG, his foot was half over the exclusion zone, we're playing Derby. Dimitri, ref said nothing, we'll get to that one later, Had clarification on that from Mr. Bars in the press room, Uh, Dan Vernon's in, hope you're well buddy, Kyle's in, how are we, Uh, Jamie says, evening all after a crack of a Masters this weekend, yeah, what a tournament, (laughs) look, four years ago, if you sat there and told me the Masters was important, i would have laughed out the room, but since then, the record and the finals it's produced, it's right up there now. Uh, Bill is in. He says, Good afternoon. James in two, Matador, hope you're well, buddy. Uh, L says, Now, nah, how do? Let's go bunting him mental. Uh, Bill says, Nice call on bunting, Gob. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I absolutely nailed that one. One from one this season. Stick with me, lads. I'll sort you out just right. Uh, Jamie also says he was class through. Number of 10 plus finishes was mad. We'll definitely talk about that. Uh, David, we'll get to that one very, very shortly. Uh, personally, Walk on got fucked up. Yeah. That's up to them, isn't it? Uh, Good evening, lads. Hope you're well. And Jamie says evening as well. Now, obviously, this show was advertised, and it is always a three-man team. Uh, Boise has another Monday wedding. uh, So we'd already got Dan on the show. And then, unfortunately, uh, Phil has had a uh, family emergency to attend to this evening. Uh, Literally 7 o'clock, i got a phone call saying, there's just two of you going tonight, lads. So I hope all is well to you, Mr. Bars. Normally, we'd bully somebody for not being here. But I think the fact that I'm not doing that right now suggests that This is is quite a serious matter. So, look, Hope all as well with Phil Bars and the family. Um, But we must go on with the show. Um, I don't remember where you just started, Dan. You definitely teed something up. I'll just say hello to everyone and we'll come straight back to it.
2: So I, I bouncer, so I think my, my we well we published, didn't we? We published our topics of discussion today. We've got the Mickey well the to- the television major that was on at the weekend. Um we got we could night, night one at the Premier League was interesting. We've got seniors draw going on. Lots lots going on in the last week or two, I think, in Planet Darts, isn't there? We do, but where we
1: will start will be with this man right here. Let me just change the setup. There he is. He has finally done it. Stephen Bunting is a PDC major champion, or is he? Depending on your point of view. I think the fact that it's bunting means a lot of people are swaying towards definitely yes. Uh, Correct. The names that have won their first PDC TV title in the last few years at this tournament. Johnny Clayton as an individual title. Uh, Joe Cullen, uh, Chris Doby, And now Stephen Bunting lifts that trophy. Um, an interesting trophy. Funny that they've got the budget to design a brand new one because they haven't got the budget for absolutely anything else. But fair play to Kazoo, I think I quite like it. Um, but Dan, your overall impressions of the tournament as a whole. Buddy.
2: Um, if I'm if I'm completely honest, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought there was um there was in en- there was enough in it. Um, I mean I'll be brutally honest, right? And I, you, everybody knows what a fan I am of him, so. I need this to come across in the way like you'll know how it's meant. It was nice to have a darts tournament where the constant topic of conversation wasn't Luke Littler. Because Luke not being there I think allowed um you know just, just other players to come to the forefront in terms of you know the first few days we saw some unbelievable stuff from Dave Chisnall it did it sort of went out with a whimper in the end, but God, he come out looking absolutely fantastic. And it was just the opportunity for a few, a few other people to grab some headlines. Dirk van Dijvenboer had got a much needed win in the first round over Ryan Searle. So we saw some really good performances, um, some really good darts matches, to be honest. Uh, we saw a little bit of a spark from Dimitri Vandenberg, probably more than we've seen from him for a long time. Um, we saw Rob cross go out in the second round who was lots of people's pick to win and go very deep in the tournament we had a I mean I'm gonna use the word controversial interview from Mr Wright I mean, uh, that was gonna be my next
1: point because you said there were there was a chance for other people to take the headlines and um after being a little bit outspoken perhaps in his pre-match and media day stuff for the Premier League. Uh, Mr. Wright took his opportunity to take fire at Chris Mason and the tournament and its sponsors and anybody else in his path uh, after he uh, defeated Christoph Ratajski 10-8. Uh, he seemed to take umbrage with the fact that Chris Mason has suggested Chris Doby should have been in the Premier League instead of Peter Wright, given Peter Wright's lack of form. Um, and called the Masters a Mickey Mouse tournament, the
2: one he was currently competing in. That, that's a bold move. I mean, yeah, and see the thing is as well, I get I, I don't get I mean clearly the act the, the axe to grind and he's chosen to name him, you know he's chosen to name Mace in, in in that. Um I don't think there was anyone who talks about, commentates on, provides any analysis really about darts that hadn't had Peter Wright on their list of people that you know may or may not been in there. I th- so I think it's an odd one to figure. So he's clearly heard something specific that Mace has said that has that has irked him. Um, dance is an interesting game because. It's, it's sort of really easy to see who's playing well and who isn't because it's just all numbers. You can just look at the stats and you can look at how people are scoring and how their darts are going, you know, and, and how their finishings going and whether or not they're winning matches. And, and it's quite easy to see who's playing better than who. It's, it's not rocket science. Um, I think... It, it goes against... I think we did hear from Peter a few weeks ago that he wasn't sure he was in himself. Like, he wasn't sure he'd, he'd done enough. So I think it's a it's a really interesting swerve of view because clearly, you know, these are things he's shared in interviews and he's sharing a very different view a few weeks later. Um, if I'm really honest, and I try to be, I felt like it just... Lacked a bit in class Because I just Nobody takes away What Peter Wright has achieved In the game of darts He is an unbelievable player And at his best He is both One of the biggest box office attractions The sport has ever seen People absolutely love to see him play He's an entertainer He's for 99% of his career Come across as a thoroughly decent fella And he's played some Unbelievable darts and I think it's confusing. And if I'm really honest, just a bit sad um, that people will talk about that for quite a while and people will replay it. He's probably clearly just lost his head a bit in one interview and it does lack a bit of class. Um, and he got an apology out fairly quickly. And I think he got it's... an apology
1: out to Chris Dobie, didn't he? He didn't apologize to Mason or the tournament or anybody else. He just said it wasn't meant to be a dig at Dobie, who was the other player that was named. So, was sort of a half apology uh mason's publicly since used his social media to say just to add a bit of substance finished bottom of last year's premier league not inside the top 32 players statistically in 2023 derby was seventh in 2023 and had a good premier league campaign on debut winning the opening night uh, just for more clarity i recently did my all-time top 10 and pete was one of my picks not sure what his silly little rant was about but won't lose any sleep
2: so it's, well it's a I, bit like I said, like that da- dance is a numbers game, like God. you can and he has done that, and thankfully, oh, thank thank you, Chris, he was for the for the breakdown. Um, but like it is it's relatively now if someone said to you, and again, it's quite easy to comment not commentate on that but to, to analyse dance is quite easy because you can form a view. And then, like Mace has done there, you can provide several bullet points and saying, Oh, that's my view. It's not really a particularly objective, you know. It's not a view that you sort of... It's not based on assumptions and feelings and gut instinct. It's not. They're, no. they're the facts of my view. They're, that's what I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I have no great problem with him. I mean if he wants to call out the tournament and the sponsors and the event, it's between him and you know, the people that run it, isn't it? I mean, uh, it's interesting. It's an interesting strategy for a man who seems to want to be in the Premier League and play in a lot of the, let's say, um, selected events that you don't have to qualify for. You know, you play on World Series events and travel the world, getting paid an awful lot of money to play in exhibitions, essentially. Um you'd probably, or I would want to keep the majority of the people who held those decision-making cards close to me and, and probably stay in their good favour. But well, yeah, because he's, he's come for it, hasn't he?
1: Like you said, Peter Wright was on most people's list to be in that Premier League. And look, we were aware that that was pretty much going to happen a little bit earlier than that was called out, especially after he won the European Championships. But if you go back and look at reasons why he might be included, former world champion, that doesn't hold up when the likes of Barney... Barney's probably a poor excuse, but you look at other players that have won it but then don't get called up straight away. The fact he won the European Championships is irrelevant because Ross Smith won that the year before and that wasn't enough for a Ross Smith call-up. It's basically the fact there are two nights in Scotland and Gary Anderson isn't available that has well, got Peter Wright in the Premier League. And the fact that if other people other than Luke Humphries had won a major between the match play and the Premier League field being announced, I genuinely think there was a chance Peter Wright's position was under more threat than it actually occurred well, to be.
0: But yes. the fact that
1: Luke Humphries then mopped up absolutely everything else was an issue for everybody else trying to knock Peter Wright out of that final spot because he just held on to it, didn't he? And the other thing there is since he's won that European Championships, over h- half of his performances on TV has averaged 85 or less that's not a man ready to go in
2: the Premier League. I don't want to see that. Well, no, I mean, was it 2002 that we were talking about the fact... And it was, it was a controversial pick because Rob Cross wasn't picked for the Premier League because he'd been relegated the year before and he'd won the Europeans that year. And like it's it's very, very similar in terms of... And it arguably... Peter is a mile away from where Rob Cross was in 2022. But if you just look at the, what they've, if you want to go back to the old-fashioned, you know, top four in, plus someone who's won a major, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, he'd been relegated the year before. Peter finished bottom the year before. Won the Europeans. Won the Europeans. Very similar, I think, to that Rob Cross. And whilst there was a few people rolled their eyes a little bit that Rob Cross wasn't in, I don't think there was a, a huge outrage. I don't think Rob Cross felt huge outrage to not be included. He said he'd like to be there. But I don't think he felt that he'd been really, really, you know, discriminated against or, you know, that, that he'd really sort of been mistreated. Um, I think it would be really difficult for Peter to make an argument based on his darts playing if he, you know, if he hadn't have been included as to why, you know, as to why he'd been transgressed against in such a terrible way. Um, What's going to be really interesting if he doesn't Every step up?
1: But his form is why he's been included, and then he's called out the fact that Davies won. Somebody said, "Oh, it's not enough." So
2: well, not this is
1: a... not... Well, it was just nonsense. To me. Yeah, and
2: it it'll be it'll be even more interesting. It will be very interesting next year because let's be like, let's say Peter Wright doesn't win a major this year. He's not in. Yes, next year is he? Can't he's be. A major. Mate, I'm not sure he's going to win a pro tour. If he, you know, but if he doesn't win something this year and we get to next year and, and the conversation is, well, oh, 19, 20 months ago, he won the Europeans, however you know, however long ago it'll be by then. You know, a year and a half ago, he won the European title. It's the last thing he won. And in the meantime, you're probably, let's be, you know, bunting's ahead of him, isn't he? In the pecking order. Well,
1: you'd expect so, but we've seen them do and Andy, and, and, again, and, and Danny Knock go 30 in, in ranking events or majors that probably more significant than the masters although the last few years it has basically been a qualifying tournament for the premier league i mean at that point stephen bunting can feel pretty hard done by you. he has been one of the most four men in the world for the last three to six months if you like it was that uh uncharacteristic not uncharacteristic for him against the opponent uh but with his form of late that defeat to van and at the world championship seemed to end all conversation about bunting's return to the premier league since then he's looked pretty strong again obviously picking up this title, but the fact that the last three Masters winners have got into the Premier League, this is, starts a week before, and he's, he's not in, will probably hurt a little bit.
2: Yeah, and I also think, I mean, the man, the man is a gift. Is a gift to social media, and just to general banter. And I'm not having it that that wouldn't be an addition to the Premier League in terms of both its promotion and various other... You know, he gives people things to talk about. He gives commentators and analysts and other people that like to talk about darts, he gives them things to talk about that beyond just his game. Um, it is a shame. He suffers, you know, he's suffering a little bit, um, you know, in the way that sort of Dobie and the way that Johnny Clayton, and they, they got into the Premier League based on that Masters win because the Masters isn't a ranked tournament. So you don't see, you you know, a lot of these tournaments you win and you see yourself immediately, you know, flying up the order of merit because Stephen Bunting, and I appreciate there's there's certain advantages to, to this and, and this is the reason why I, I point to it. Stephen Bunting is currently ranked 16th, which means he's right on the cusp. And, and when I say right on the cusp, he's on the cusp by 250 quid ahead of, ahead of Ross Smith. So he's right on the cusp of being seeded for European tours. Now, if it had have been a seeded tournament, uh, sorry, uh, um, if this had have been a ranking tournament and he goes out wins it, he's probably safe for the year guaranteed European um, European Tour, every, every event. But he's going to have to battle that out almost every single Pro Tour event now from here on out with with Ross Smith as to who gets that final spot and who has to qualify. Um, So, yeah, he's sort of – yes, he's won it, and he's won a television major, but it's a bit rough for him because he's the first man who's won it in a few years who hasn't got that golden ticket to the Premier League, and he gets no ranking money for it. I appreciate he gets a few quid in his pocket, but, um, yeah, you can see where it's a bit frustrating. Indeed.
1: Uh, a few more stories from the weekend. Um, let's start with... Where do we start? Let's start with the semi-final, shall we? Considering how good the final was and the rest of the tournament and the fact that Aspinall battled his way past Darryl Gurney who did brilliantly with a last-minute call-up and Dimitri Vandenberg looked to have found some sort of form again beating James Wade and then Michael Smith, albeit with with ninety averages, they are two of the most one
2: sided semi finals I've ever witnessed in my life. It was weird, wasn't it? But I did feel a little. I think, I mean, and yeah, the the averages are are almost identical from Bunting and Van Gogh. But ninety nine point five three for Bunting, ninety nine point six three for Van Gogh. So that it's not like they've neither of them have put in a performance that you would expect would give an 11-1 or 11-2 score. The The way I, I felt is that, so if I'm if I'm honest, Dimitri Vandenberg and Nathan Aspinall both went further than I expected them to in, in this tournament. For me, they both overachieved. And I just felt like by the time we got around to the semi-finals on Sunday evening, they both just ran out of steam a little bit. Um, You know, Nathan is... A, a, a battler, you know, the, the game against Daryl Gurney was a 10 was 9. Um, you know, that he had a bit of a gimme against um Van Dyven Border, uh, who, who again didn't carry the form from the first round through with him. But I just felt both of them ran out of steam a little bit and and it, it just become easy for Bunting and Van Gurwin, didn't it? It did.
1: Indeed. The other thing I think we need to talk about before we do move on. Unfortunately, we don't have any of the clips because they weren't preloaded into the back of the software. So we don't have Bunting's immediate reaction, but you can watch that on our YouTube channel in full alongside all the interviews from all the winners throughout the weekend when any drama may have unfolded. Um, Bob says, Why was it number 25? Nora went we and put it set of anyway. Gurney when wasn't playing. Draws Yeah, had family commitments, so he couldn't make it either. Uh, Is Michael Van Gerwen. Now, when he was beaten last week in the Premier League, which we're we're no doubt going to look at again in a couple of moments' time because the first week of the Premier League was last week, uh, myself, Cam and Jar sat here and they both said that they were highly concerned about Michael Van Gerwen.
2: I watched that. I enjoyed it. Um, I think Um, a lot of people are concerned... About where he's standing, that seems to be the biggest news this week. It's it's it's, it's reaching quite far through Dart's Twitter. <laughs> um, I'm not so sure. I mean, like, well, he's made three
1: finals in three events, now. The only yeah, event and and the from, final of was the Premier League, right? Well, Since then, both World Series events and now the Masters, which and are even the, best eight, playing, the best 24 in the world, like. Who are we really missing from the Masters field that you're looking at? Going apart from Gerwin Price, you're looking at going. All right, that's not one of the strongest fields that the sport could possibly assemble right now, even with the likes of Dimitri out of form and Aspen out of form and Peter Wright struggling. There are still the top players in the world yeah. in that, apart from Luke Littler and Gowin Price, and he's made a final for the third time.
2: Yeah, and 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 he's done it. Like, let's be honest, he's done it. Like, averaging a hundred and two and a half, beating Dave Chisnall. Like, there's, we do know, because because we've had, you know, there are a few pe- people who are far wiser than I with better knowledge about the technical elements of darts throws, have, have analysed the slight changes in his throat. We know that there's a break in the wrist there that wasn't there previously. And we know that he isn't, as well as that, he isn't hitting the consistent levels of excellence that both he and others had come to expect from him. But I, I, I don't buy this sort of, you know, it's all going on. Because we all know how the ranking system works. The man's ranked number two in the world. The only person that's ahead of him is the bloke that won the world championships. So the world champion's ahead of him. Nobody else is. So over the course of a long period of time, he has consistently picked up more ranking money than 120 odd other other players you're right he's made three average he's made three finals on the trot and when you look at his averages in the games that he's playing i can't find you know you i mean yes he got beaten the premier league day, got beaten the premier league my averaging 97 now again that's going to get you over the line you know 60 percent of the time that'll be enough he's he's not like it's the problem with Michael Van Gerwen is, and there's other darts players that we can say this about, is he was absolutely excellent. But when he and and, and I think it would be very naive to not suggest that he's he's peaked in terms of what he can produce on a consistent level. He might find it again, but you know people peak and trough. But we've definitely see, we're we're seeing him on the way down from a peak at, at the minute or leveling off, and. It's unrealistic to expect that. And also, he has got a lot more coming at him than he used to have. Mm -hmm. When he was absolutely dominant and he was winning 100 Pro Tour events, there was not the depth in the top 16, 17, 18, 19, top 32 that there is now. There just wasn't the depth. And now there's so much more depth. So many people can turn up and for one game, average 104
1: okay.
2: on average 102.
1: And the, I think the I'm biggest difference is they're not afraid of doing that against him because so many are
2: doing it against him now.
1: Like well, They've I all had their think- performance in the locker, but they produce it one in 30 times on the pro tour against somebody ranked in the 60s because they're confident enough to go and do it. Now they're like, actually, no, I'm going to have you.
2: Yeah, and I, and I, I do think the mystique... That he had is, is so isn't, isn't what it used to be. You know, people were beaten by Michael Van Gogh before they got on the stage. But I think, I think there's a lot of that that's nothing to do with him at all. Like, how many darts players do we know, do we know of, and do we hear talking about the fact? that they are now looking into various different types of sports psychologists. They're working with sports psychologists. They're working on their mindset. They're working on their approach. They're working on many, many, many elements of their game that aren't just pulling their arm back and releasing the dart at the board. Now, for me, part of that. Is that you don't shit yourself before you get on the stage against Michael Van Gerwen? Like, otherwise, what else are these sports psychologists doing? That must be the aim, surely. Is that yeah. you haven't? You, if you the aim of this isn't to be already beaten before you get there. Now, so it's. I don't really think we can blame Michael. He might be the catalyst that forced people to go and and learn these techniques and methods and go and, and pick up these skills to manage their own mentality and have a load of CBT or whatever else they're doing. But and he, he might well have been the catalyst for it, but I don't think you can point the finger at him and say, well, these people are dealing with you much better. You. these people aren't frightened of you anymore like well, if if part of that is them approaching the game better um so I think it's a mixed bag and it's 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 a bit it's a, it's too easy to point the finger at him and say yeah, he's not what he was because I think there's a lot more to it than that.
1: yeah, there is indeed I did say that was the final thing we're going to talk about in the masters but i did forget one thing there was an incident uh in the
2: i'm just looking for the game now second round game oh we're going to yeah. do that later on reaction uh, we'll
1: we'll now between luke Humphreys and stephen bunting we'll no doubt talk about it later on as well uh but considering this is back-to-back appearances this has happened for luke Humphreys one i completely do not understand How and why Luke Humphreys is currently being subjected as the target of this. It doesn't make sense at all. I mean, he has played two absolute crowd favourites in two weeks, not to excuse the behaviour, but Luke Littler one and then Stephen Bunting two. There was a large Stephen Bunting fan base at the back. His social media presence at the moment has absolutely taken the world by storm. I've never seen a, apart from when gilding won the UK Open perhaps because he's the the edgy social media pick. I'm not sure I've seen a more popular winner first time on on social media than Stephen Bunting because of the impact he's having with TikTok and this man. The amount of this man is now a major champion I saw floating around yesterday and his videos, him sat on a bike, on a moped that's got Adrian Lewis on banging a saucepan or something and <laughs> flying around to 90s <laughs> <Nung's laughs> techno remixes of just his face and I'm like what oh, is going on with this <laughs> this is absolutely mental like this is so much further beyond Andrew Gilding thumbs up let's like everybody loves Gilding like no, it's because it's absolutely ridiculous for bunting but th- that isn't the point we're making but we'll talk about that later Humphrey's being whistled at, and again we we reiterate the point and look the players keep just shrugging it off because I'm worried that the players that are then speaking up are concerned it will happen to them because it's becoming such a big deal. And this discussion uh, was going around an awful lot in the venue of Reading at the weekend because it was a tough conversation there. And all their players are saying the same. And it's the same thing that's been said for a long, long time now is that a wall of noise is absolutely fine and acceptable it can be dealt with it, it's up to you how you deal with your emotions right if the, if the noise is constant even if you're getting booed or oh that's up to you to deal with but that's not off putting the game right th- th- you can control your output and reaction to that a whistle a shriek a loud noise a bang whatever you cannot control your body's only reaction is to tense up which causes you to miss or drag the dart low or, or whatever else it can possibly it's happen it's
2: so it's so literally yeah. a jump scare. That's what it is. You're you're completely in like relaxed almost, and you're trying to be completely relaxed. And something happens that, that and it is it's an instinct reaction that your body will tense so up. You can't control it. It just is. It's how your body reacts to sudden noises. Yeah, it causes an
1: involuntary reaction. And the fact that people could be in the arena and do that to have an um, input on the result of the game, I think actually is. is quite poor and i've been on about this for a long long time even with my own uni teams it, look, uni darts is completely different to any local league or whatever you will have seen as barracking and all sorts but the one thing i've always reiterated to my team and, and friends and whatever is look, you want to make noise you want to cheer you want to shout whatever you do that while our guys throw in not when they're throwing. the minute they're at the hockey you shut up that's up to them to then control yeah it, it's just one of those things and look this is going to rage on for a long long time it was said on commentary that they were trying to locate the whistler to remove them from the venue. Obviously, that's no my, good. See, to this is my countries. After the situation has already occurred, it, it needs to be stronger. They need to act quicker. They need to get it stamped out incredibly quickly. And the only way they can do that is an increase in security personnel at the next couple of events. I know that Premier League is going to be incredibly difficult to police that at, but you've got so many people there, so many stewards fans cameras security all on the action i genuinely do not believe it is that difficult to
2: locate who's whistling because of
1: three I, I, attempts, you can narrow
2: it down to 10 seats i 100 agree absolutely 100 like, and the thing is it's about getting tough like really it's about getting tough really quickly all the t- all the tickets are bought electronically now right? they're all bought electronically and you just need to be really really clear Like. Up front, you need signage up in the venue. It needs to be written on your ticket and it needs to be stated in the PDC app. Like, if you are found to be acting, you know, know, trying to distract players and have an effect on the game, like, you will be removed. You will be banned. You'll be immediately removed. You'll be banned, as will the group of tickets that you, you know, that that you're. If someone's bought six tickets and one of them's count, like, acting a bell end, then. That six, those six people are out and banned, and they don't come back. I just think it's it's it, it, it's so easy to make it not worthwhile doing. Um Like I, I don't think I appreciate it happened at the Premier League. I think the, some of the Premier League venues are so big that it doesn't it simply doesn't have the effect. When you're in somewhere like that venue in MK, it, it's and, and and it's quiet. Um, but for me. You just, it's not rocket science, it's security who are actively engaged. Like, again, you know, we've you and I have both been at all sorts of different sporting events all over the world, and I've seen a million security staff looking into the crowd but not watching what's going on, they've just been told to face that direction. They're watching the fucking birds fly up here and they're watching and they're winking at them, and then it. People there are doing a job and they and they need to be active in their role. And they need to it's a it's a training issue, it's a work scope issue, they need to understand, they need to be empowered to know how to deal with it, they need to be given the right training to know how to deal with the situation, but they need to be actively monitoring the crowd they need to be looking at what's going on they need to be connected to people who are understanding the crowd as a whole and what's going on in the game to communicate things via radio as to when things are potentially you know going to happen when things are sniffed out in certain parts of the arena people need to be more present there and they need to be looking at and monitoring actively what the crowd are doing and then there needs to be a zero tolerance policy it just it's the the solution isn't rocket science to me you 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 are already paying an absolute fortune for security you just need to make sure that you are getting value for money and that the people you are paying to do security in your events are doing it to the right amount or to the right level um i don't get and i understand people have pointed at the referees i do i think that's a cop out like I think it's a genuine to department of the referee. I mean, with the best one in the world, the re- in a you know Premier League event, everyone's been on the piss all day. The referee calls the best of order, the the whole room's just gonna start going Way! like it's it's not the job of the referee to manage there is a
1: limit on the size of a crowd you can manage in that position with a microphone. I've been there, I've done it, I've done it multiple times. Yeah, like, exactly. There is a limit on when that becomes effective Did or not.
2: They try, like, they, you know, the referees do try. I do not think you can point the finger and say the referee is in any way accountable for that. They, they As part of their role, they need to contribute to, to, to helping manage that. But yeah. there are people who are paid big, big money contracts to manage the crowd in those environments. And it's not being done well enough. It's just not, it's not being done well enough. The penalty for transgressing needs to be worse and it needs to be actively... Enforced,
1: yeah,
2: baffles me that it isn't being done quicker. couple of comparisons
1: in the chat room. James says the ref in Snooker asked the crowd to be quiet. He does, or they do, should I say. Um, the comparison there is that apart from the shootout, the expectation of a snooker crowd is to be silent, it is a lot easier to manage one person being noise making noise in silence. Than it is to manage one person over the top in a already quite uh, excitable crowd. Uh, Big Johnny well. was playing. He did stop the game, asked them to point out the person whistling, and told them the darts would not resume until uh, the whistler was removed. Again, that's what I go back to a minute ago. That only works in up to a certain size of crowd. You can't do that in a seven thousand seater in the Premier League. It's just not possible. It's not obtainable. Nobody's going to admit to it. They're going to deny it. they've even heard whistles at some point. So, yeah, look, as Dan said, it is completely up to security to manage. A final point on this. Uh, Bob says, uh, "PDC have cultivated this atmosphere for years. Do we think they're bothered at this point until players start walking off? Don't think it'll change. No. And again, that's the issue, and that's exactly what our good friend Mr. Bars will be sat here saying. They don't care." They're not interested. It creates stories. It creates things for players to talk about in their post-match. Uh, interviews and media duties and on social media, um, they're not asked. And I don't think they will be asked. And until they are asked and realise that actually, it's harming their product. And even the commentators have started to call it out a little bit now. The fact it happened when Smith was on a nine in the Premier League, is just, a, who on earth is whistling on a nine data, for Christ's sake?
2: Uh, so I can't tell you. 39 minutes past eight. Come back to me at one minute past nine and I'll tell you. At the <laughs>
1: <corner>. <laughs> Perfect. Right, that is the end of our discussion on the uh, Masters. Congratulations once again to Stephen Bunton for lifting his first PDC televised title. Um, his interview, along with all the winners, are available in full on our YouTube channel. Unfortunately, we don't have the clip to play this evening. Uh, but yeah, go over and check that out. Next up was night one of the PDC Bet MGM Premier League uh, in Cardiff. Go Price returned home, although it looked like about six of the players were secretly Welsh down because every single one of them seems to have taken the approach of i'm gonna to pander to the crowd nathan Asma had a brand new shirt last week for the media day suddenly that appeared with a load of green on it as if it was the world's dragon obviously going price had a red number michael smith selling his soul by the way uh for that red uh, green and white number v on his chest um but it was the bully boy who defeated
2: Gerwin Price I don't, on night one i don't dislike it at all if i'm if i'm completely i don't dislike it one bit the only thing i would do is I would make sure that they were all on sale like out the front like if I was Michael Smith and I was going to wear a special whales top for the night then I'd want a stand with them all out the front and I'd want a decent cut of all the ones that are a bit like but I just think well you know I, if if people are going to go to the event and they're going to buy a shirt why shouldn't everyone get a cut out of it why just, you know it's it's the, it's, the, it's the traveling circus isn't it is the premier league it, it's not real is it it's an exhibition it's, um, so I have absolutely no issue with people wearing fancy shirts for, um, they should all wear black and white in Newcastle. That'd be good. Um, no. i cheer for that. Don't get me
1: started on Newcastle.
2: The only venue that
1: gets flags and a football song.
2: No, 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 no. Well, good, good lads, them flag lads. They do a good job. Um. <laughs> But I'm it's not good. No, no, no. no, I
1: just, I'm just hesitating whether their president should have been allowed, given the no football. Color. I mean, go Price got a rugby team on the back of his jump on the back of his shirt, by the way. But you're not allowed football colours in it. It's
2: nonsense. Well, it's it's one of those. Uh, for me, it's one of those rules where you can have that rule because then you can decide when you want to enforce it or not, and it just means that you can reserve the right. To say no, doesn't it? If you have the you will let what you're comfortable with letting get under the radar, and you'll you let you let it go. Um, but it just does. You are allowed to reserve the right to say no to things. And if if you hold that rule, um, I enjoyed it though. I, I thought it was a good night. I I, I quite like the Premier League. I, I know a lot of people are really critical of it. I, I, I still maintain that I don't dislike the new format. If, I'm, if I if because if you just accept it for what it is, it's just a it's an exhibition that we get to watch on the telly, and it's quite quite entertaining. It's, the lads play quite good darts; it's quite good fun. And I, that's all it is. And I do I, I really enjoyed the new format last year on because I, I I was really I was lucky enough to pro, I think I got to four four different nights last year of the Premier League. And it is a bit of fun when you go with a few people. Like Even when I went with Anna, I took the wife and you watch a tournament, you know, and somebody gets to lift a trophy at the end. And it's quite fun. It's quite nice when you're in there. Um, For those that get to only watch darts once a year at the Premier League, um, they get to see their favourite players sometimes two and three times in a night. Whereas, instead of them only seeing Michael Van Gerwen play once a year, they get to see potentially Michael Van Gerwen or Gerwin Price or whoever you you, you get, they get to see them play um, three three matches. Like, you know, it is what it is. It's the necessary tour that funds a lot of the other stuff that goes on in darts and because the main source of income beyond what because sky sports will pay what they pay regardless of the format and that's what people have to remember is the format change isn't bringing more commercial money into it through the tv avenue so the format changes have to bring more money to the table selling tickets and the Premier League sold out ridiculously quickly lots of venues this year. So clearly, those that are enjoying watching it in the flesh, in the arena, are enjoying it. They're having a good time and, and and they're going back and they decided to go back much faster this year than they did last year. Um, so you just Which have to accept difficulties. It sucks. <laughs> Yeah, it's all right. I don't mind, as I say, it does yes, it does get a bit boring, but then I just think, well, sometimes, like, if at some point you like you can come to me in ten weeks' time and say, Oh, I'm a bit bored of this Luke a little kid, averaging hundred and five against former world champions, then I'll tell you that you don't really enjoy darts and you should probably go away. <laughs> like it's um it's just some nice darts on the telly,
0: isn't it?
1: It is. I mean, look, let's let's go through the evening, shall we? First of all, Peter Wright beaten by Rob Cross. Another one of those instances down where he is beaten sub eighty-five average. That is becoming a real concern for Peter Wright right now. But it was sort of just job done for Rob Cross. He was. I feel like he was dragged into a little bit of a battle. But do we think that's just because it was game one, night one, playing first that he ended up in that situation?
2: I'm not so sure because and again I'm, I'm jumping ahead, but he 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 didn't look great in his semi-final and he didn't look great at the weekend either. And and he looked really good in the Months leading Up to the Worlds, and I thought he looked brilliant, brilliant at points in the Worlds, and I really expected a lot early in the year from Rob Cross. I thought we would see him make a real move on the Masters, I thought we'd see him make a real move early in the Premier League. The next couple of weeks, I think it's going to be really interesting for him Um, because I tipped him to do well in this. I thought he'd be there finals night come the end of the Premier League. And I appreciate we're only one week in and he did win it and he got to the semi-final. If you do that every week, you'll, you'll be on finals night. So um he might be on the right trajectory. But yeah, I, I, I expected a bit more from him. Yeah, we did.
1: Uh Now's probably a good time to talk about our in-house online darts predictor league. Dan, unfortunately, didn't get his predictions in in time last weekend. He was a little bit uh, off the grid up until this moment. Uh, but the rest of the team did manage to get involved. We would have had a graphic tonight, obviously. But again, Phil Baer's absence. I did keep track of all the results last week. Four of us nailed this bang on. Uh, Rob Cross a bit Peter Wright at 6-3. Uh, the four were myself, Cam, Liam, Make that five, Harry and Phil himself. Uh, so that was three points to all of them. Everybody uh, on the team backed Rob Cross to beat Peter Wright. Not a single person went with Snakebite. I'll update them as we go through. Uh, match number two was between Gerwin Price and Nathan Aspinall Price at home in Cardiff. 100 average to open, Dan. He looked pretty good. Aspinall, the average there says 88. It felt like at times he played better than that, and it also felt at times that he was a million miles off the pace of
2: a going price. I think it it was pretty much what I I think most people thought they would see from him, and it was very similar to what we've seen from him for the last six months or so. Really, after, since the match play, um, he there was moments where you thought he's going to kick on here and he's going to rattle off three on the spin. And then there was moments where it just didn't look like he was comfortable at all. I think he, I still think he's in a real transition period at the minute, Nathan. I think that. I think the it. The match player win was even confusing, if anything, because it was a bit out of nowhere. And he's not managed to really sustain it, but just a bit lacklustre. And yes, he was. You know, he was against the crowd and Gezi, I mean, Gezi averaged a hundred and, and and did well, but. He, Nathan just couldn't. He, was, he wasn't going to be able to break as throw through um, in, in, in that game. And it was, yeah, he just looked over very quickly, to be honest, with a bit of a whimper from Nathan.
1: Yeah, and I, I guess that's concerning. He's gone on another decent run this weekend, but it still feels like, in that Masters run, it was without being exceptional. He's, he's mopping up, he's playing all right, eighty 86-91, 91 again in the matches that he played throughout the weekend, making all his, his way all the way to semi-final. But that isn't going to be enough unless you're playing a certain Scotsman in a Premier League night at the moment because the other players are all going to have you on, especially after the performance we've seen from Michael Smith last week. He was probably the other one in that conversation going, well, if they beat each other, there could be a scrap for whoever finishes bottom. But Michael Smith has clearly, as we can see on the graphic, gone further than that. Uh, Update on the scores from last week then. Uh, Everybody in the team once again Exactly correct winner in Gerwin Price. There were one, two, three perfect scores. One from Mr. Boyce, one from Liam, and another from Harry, who raced out to six points from two quarterfinals. A reminder of the format. Uh, for everybody playing along And you guys can keep track at home as well, by the way um, We are doing all of the quarterfinals It is one point for the correct winner Three points for correct score And a bonus three points on the night If you
2: pick the correct overall winner Well, I'm going to have to just come in a week late I mean, I'm still right. I'm fairly confident of victory You know, I, I suppose it, it's a bit like a seeding, isn't it? Like, I'll give you all the first week Just for uh, to get going Yeah um, And I'll I'll come in from this week.
1: Yeah. Well, the plan is that the rest of the team have to submit before midnight on the Sunday so that we can prepare two graphics in the day. Whoever on the live lounge will reveal their scores uh, to Phil shortly before the show. uh, And then he will reveal our scores on the show alongside everybody else's in the team. Um, So we get the benefit of picking live tonight, Dan, which is a bonus because everybody else should have put theirs in before last Ah, night, but I'm sure that... We'll let a few more sneak theirs in if they weren't on time this week. Uh, match number three uh, saw Michael Smith get the better of Michael Van Gogh in a last leg decider. Decent little scrap this, Dan. A uh, bit back and forth. Van Gogh looking for all sorts like he was going to be in control and, and seal passage into the semi-finals, But Smith pipping him in a strange little deciding leg to be fair.
2: Yeah, re- strange game. Um... Really, really strange game, and this is where, like, you know, we talk about Michael Van Gerwen and, and you know, is he in trouble? And are people worried about him? Like, you know, let's be honest, he's fine. And it, like, it he, again, yes, he's been beaten, but he's been beaten weirdly, like in a deciding leg, averaging five points more, four points more than his opponent. Like, it just is one of those things. Um, I think it was really good for Michael Smith to get, first of all, that first game out of the way in the in the in the Premier League this year. Knew there was a bit of pressure on him. Knew he'd been talked about a lot and he wasn't being talked about as one of the potential winners. Um, obviously, he's playing the great Michael Van Gogh in the opening game. It would have been easy to have been beaten 6-3 there by MVG. And then all of a sudden, the Premier League looks a really difficult task for Smith. Um, so I think that game was exactly what he needed. And he just managed to hold it together at the right time. Um yeah, fun, interesting game, um, but yeah, it was really good.
1: Yeah, and then we move on to the match that everybody was waiting for, literally, as, as Johnny Max is in. At the moment, we've all been waiting for a Luke Littler in the rematch with Luke Humphries from the World Championships. Now, it's a shame that we've already seen this on the World Series. If you're going to have this as your first match of the Premier League, then it should be the first time that these two play again, not the second already, but it was... Uh, repeat once again for Luke Littler, <clears throat> who now leads that head-to-head 2-1. Obviously, he's dropped the big one, but he's won the last two. Uh, this is where we have to talk about the whistling once again. It did flare up on Luke Humphreys' doubles attempts. But the concern for me in that one is look, the whistles happened. Yes. Is it annoying? Did it affect Luke Humphreys? Almost certainly. Does it take the shine off a magnificent performance from a 17-year-old on one of the biggest stages in the world to play darts on? Who rocks up, takes apart the world champion, and averages a hundred. Yes. The boys got it. And we I was sat here a few weeks ago, concerned that if he doesn't win a game for the first week or the first couple of weeks, how long until we're sat ago and Luke Littler's inclusion in the Premier League was a mistake and it could yeah. seriously hurt his development.
2: He looks so at home. Every time. And I, like I, I've been lucky enough, as you have, to spend some time with Luke, and he's an absolutely smashing kid. And 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 you don't get as brilliant as he comes across on TV, and as measured as he comes across, and as well, sort of settled and comfortable. Like it, it's it's more so when you, you know when you actually meet the guy and speak to him. He's he's so relaxed. I I, I can't remember seeing anyone in darts has had so much pressure on them. That's had so much scrutiny. That has managed to retain such a genuinely measured and balanced mindset. And I have no idea if it's like you know duck floating on the water, and you know like when he when he goes into a room on his own, he just stands and screaming at the walls or something. But he's so. He looks so confident every time we get a situation where we think, well, maybe maybe now. You know, maybe when he plays Barney at Ali Pali, maybe, maybe when he goes to Ali Pali, maybe that's going to be a bit too much for him. Oh, that, guy, that game against Barney might be a bit too much for him. And then oh, every time we get another an, another little level to it, we think, well, maybe here. No, he's he's got some stones, man. And yeah, it was just again to turn up as well, not just beat the world champion, but he's turned up. He's average a hundred. Like, there is things going on. Like, you know, like when Humphreys is getting whistled at and doubled, like, people need to also remember that that stuff going on affects both players. Yes, it gives Humphreys the flinch when he's taking his darts, but the fact that there is the, the fact that you people are being unsettled, the number you know, the number one and the world champions on stage and he's being heckled and and got at, that you all those things are in your head. And he just does such a good job of staying completely measured. Um, just he continues to impress me. I haven't got enough superlatives really to to talk about how impressive or uh, how his mindset and his approach and the way that he is conducting himself is as good as his darts. It really is. He's a smart. He's a real superstar.
1: Yeah, indeed, and he's also proven to be a real thorn in the side of Luke Humphries since they met in that World Championship final. Uh, Luke has actually lost his last three games on the spin now, I believe, uh, beaten by Littler in uh, Den Bosch. uh, it in Den Bosch? In in the Dutch Darts Masters in night one, and then beaten round one by Stephen Bunting, or round two, the first round that Luke Humphreys entered. uh, in the Masters in Milton Keynes over the weekend. Uh, He'll be looking forward next week to not playing somebody that is an absolute crowd favourite, surely. He'll be
2: looking forward to playing Peter Wright, won't he? That's what he'll be looking for. Because, I mean, (laughs) and and, and this isn't meant as a day... Well, it probably just is how it comes across. If you are a top player at the minute that's just struggling for a bit of something, you you are pleased with that Peter Wright draw. And to see that coming quick, because you've got to think that is my opportunity to bang four legs on the trotting and make myself feel good about my darts.
1: Yeah, i will be funny, mate. There are Super League players that would fancy their chances against Peter Wright right now. The form is just not there for the Scotsman. Uh, I forgot to do the score updates within our group predictions. Uh, only one person in the entire team backed Michael Smith to beat Michael Van Gogh in. And he did it by a 6-5 scoreline. Mr. Cam McFarlane oh uh, picking words, up the three what? points from that. What a scrawny little so-and-so <laughs> he is. Uh, and then in the final game, uh, just one, two people backed Luke Littler to beat Luke Humphreys. Everybody else went with the Way of the World champ. Uh, they were Liam and myself. Uh, neither of us by the correct scoreline, though. I went 6-3. Liam went 6-4, uh, which meant it was down to choosing our weekly winner uh, to see who would finish top of week one in the online darts BetMGM MGM Premier League predictor. Um, and I'm absolutely pleased to say that nobody predicted Michael Smith to win the tournament. Uh, there was two Humphreys, three MVG, a couple of Price, and a rogue shout for Rob Cross by myself. Uh, Which means that the points tally finished. uh, Cam and Liam are both joint top on seven points. Harry has six. I have five. Lee, Phil both have four, Uh, and then Aaron and Jarliff currently sit rock bottom with two points. Hi, Mr. Eaton. Hope you are well, buddy. See, not too far, Daniel. You are a correct one. Correct score in the first game away from. Not being bottom, and
2: you're. Starting. This is what I mean. Like we're coming in a week late, and it's even better, you know that because if I end up doing quite well, make no mistake that I will spend all my time reminding you all that everyone had a week's head start on me as well. So I shall you're look an forward it. Getting... win, aren't you? Yes, one hundred percent. It'll either be my bragging line, or it'll just be my excuse won't it. Oh, of course, I didn't. I didn't get the first week, did I? You know, of course, I'm bottom.
1: Uh, let's fly through the semi finals and the final. We've already spoken about the final a little bit, to be honest. Uh, but in Price uh, doing the number on Rob Cross. And then Michael Smith holding his nerve against Luke Littler. Superb game that second semi final. Uh, for Michael Smith to come through to averaging, what, nearly eight points lower in the averages than Luke the nuke. Special, special performance from Michael Smith, who went on. To pick up the trophy. Uh, And so the Premier League table, look, it is week one, but it does look like this. Michael Smith is top. Uh, Gerwin Price, after he reached the final, is in second. Luke Little and Rob Cross. Occupy third and fourth and the four players winless so far. Michael Van Gerwen, Nathan Latval, Peter Wright and Luke Humphreys by the biggest margin, uh, finds himself bottom of the table. I do not expect him to stay there for very long at all. But uh, things happen when you are the world champion and as such. Uh, before we look ahead to next week, Dan, uh, I want your thoughts on the brand new MGM Premier League stage. Uh, Quiet colours, there's not too in your face. I think the gold is nice and subtle. The black and grey is okay. It's a lot more aesthetically pleasing than the kazoo stage. Although I'm not sure what wouldn't be at this
2: stage. We're all completely fed up uh with kazoo. It, colours. Context, I think um, would be like, um the no, I really dislike the kazoo one. I don't dislike it. You made a really good point. Um I, I, I do listen to what you say and I value most of it, but you made a really good point on the surround in the, I, like I can't make my peace with it. But the, the, the the rest of the stage, I think, I think it's quite classy. I think it's quite good. I think it different. I think it's different enough from the stuff we're used to seeing to almost have it like branded as the Premier League, so to speak, you know, and, but yeah, I do, the black and gold, I, I think, I think it's, it does look quite classy. It, it's a little bit, it's a little bit like they've pinched a bit of branding from 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 online darts you know we were we were here first and 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 we um we've been here slightly longer in in planet darts than than, than those guys but yeah the surround's not great it just doesn't have a it doesn't provide that contrast that we're used to no. um i don't think it would be offensive in terms of because if they've gone almost with a with a yellow like with a with a with a yellow that really popped I think that would have fit onto the rest of the stage quite well and would have looked better in terms of the surround and provided some contrast and, and focus on onto the board. Um, but in terms of the whole presentation, I I think it's quite um quite nice. Yeah, looking forward to seeing it
1: in person in Exeter in a few oh, weeks. a lot of the team will be at the couch yet on yes, our way you down you. to the UK. I right absolutely oh, cannot it's wait. So exciting. For that one yeah look, I'm, I'm quite surprised a lot of the chat room are agreeing to be honest not a fan of the surround though says Matador uh James Josh is good except for the surround looks washed down it just didn't look right and from a distance I don't mind it but it's when they've got that half and half shot and you can just see it on the outskirts I don't like the way it presents or, or colors or, or shows on the screen at all when I walked into the Crucible in Reading last weekend uh on Thursday night it, the first game had literally just started as there by about 20 to 8, I think it was in the end. Um, traveling on my way to the seniors qualifier this weekend. Um and that was the first thing I noticed, and I was like, I don't I don't like it at all. Uh didn't enjoy it one little bit, but the rest of the presentation, absolutely superb. Uh Bet gem looking pretty nice up there. Um they may have pinched our branding down, but they've got um considerably more money than us and are backing us throughout the entirety of the Premier League. So thank you very much, guys, and welcome on board. <laughs> And with that, we move on. Uh, looking ahead to next week's Premier League, uh, the better Gem Premier League in the Mercedes-Benz Arena in Berlin. Uh, eight players once again battling the down to one winner. Uh, we have a repeat of this week's final in the first round. We also see Luke Humphreys get a shot of Peter Wright, Luke Littler a shot of Rob Cross. But we start the night with Nathan Aspinall against Michael Van Gerwen.
2: Score predictions, if you please, good sir. This will be a Michael van Gerwen win. He will win 6-3. And we do 6-3. I
1: am going... Michael Michael van Van Gerwen. Same in a different scoreline. I'm saying 6-4, van Gerwen. I just think Aspinall is showing already... In the glimpses that we've seen from him last week and even
2: this week, he can just pinch legs and stay in a game, and and that's where I'm going. Yeah, I just forward. think MVG is a dangerous prospect. After he's lost a final on the telly, he just he gets himself motivated, doesn't he? He's he's the master of, of of self-flagellation. He'll be he'll be he'll be right up for it. I think so. I think he'll come out fast and and just just rattle a few legs off there. Indeed, uh,
1: match number two, Dan, is between Michael Smith and Gowin Price, the Iceman.
2: Where are you going with this one? It's a tough on this one because he because he looked great last week until the final, and he looked cack for one of a better word in in the final. He didn't look great at all. We know he's missed the weekend. We don't know the details of of why. I'm ass- my assumption is it's going to be something relatively important or noteworthy because it's kept him away from a from a major television tournament, Um, I'm going to go with a repeat result of last week's final, but not as close. Uh, Sorry, not as steep. Uh, In fact, I'm going to make it really close. I think Michael Smith will win this one 6-5.
1: I have gone the other way. I think Gerwin Price gets revenge because that's exactly what he does at the moment. And that's exactly what he's done for the last 18 months. He is very impressive in first rounds. He's not too bad in second rounds. And it's by the time he gets to the third round of any tournament, Gerwin Price begins to struggle. And I think the Premier League may prove to be exactly the same. I think he does a job on Michael Smith. And I think he wins this one 6-3. Uh, plenty come in in the chat room. Bob says MVG six two and Gezi six four. Uh, James Littler will mark the final better draw. Smith six four. Bob says Gezi was probably in the rugby. We don't know where going. Price was, but it was a family issue, uh, so he was not there. Uh, match number three is Luke the Nuke. Luke
2: Littler taking on Voltage Rob Cross. Uh, got to be, got to pick it as a Littler win. I just think. The maths is there. He's in better form. If he turns up and plays the same way he's played, you know, mean average, not average, average, that's not allowed. Mean average over the last few months, Luke Littler wins this game um, 6-4. Yeah, he'll get a break and beat him by a break.
1: Once again, we have the same winner, much like we did in the first game. Uh. But I've gone for a significantly wider margin. I think Luke beats Rob Cross six-two. I think he, well, yeah. That weekend off as well. Whereas all the boys that come off the back of the World Series have then gone to Milton Keynes, have come back in from Cardiff, MK, flown to Berlin. Luke could have gone straight there, taken an extra day there, etc., without being to Milton Keynes. So yeah. I'm going to say he's slightly not. Not that freshness should be an issue at 17 years old, but I think it, it, it will be, it'll be absolutely fine in this absolutely. one. And we wrap up uh, the quarterfinals with Luke Humphreys against Peter Wright. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you and pretty much everybody that decides to get engaged in the chat room with this one, it's not going to be who wins, it's going to be by how much.
2: Well, um, this prediction is for Chris Dorby. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I... I I like, I often like to go against the grain just to, just to, for devilment sometimes. But now I know there's points involved and there's a bit of pride in there, then I have to be grown up and realistic and just say that, in all likelihood, Luke's going to come out because, because Luke is probably not going to get the whistles. Because why would the Germans care? You know, like, in all honesty, like, I don't think that bothered. If anything, Peter Wright's acted a bit of a dickhead for the last week or two. And if someone's going to get booed and whistled, it's probably Peter. So I will go 6-2 to L- P- Luke Humphries. Of course. 6-1. Um, I think
1: he blows him away. I think yeah. he needs one of those performances where he can just... Look, Peter Wright is still a favourite in Germany. I Do I expect the Germans to be whistling at Luke Humphreys? Not this time around. And if they are, disgraceful, the same that it was last week in Milton Keynes and Cardiff. I'm not just picking on the Germans. Um, they may like him, but I don't think that's going to be enough to power him over the line against Luke Humphreys, who three losses on the spin is going to want and need a reaction. And I think it, that's exactly what we get from Luke Humphreys. He'll rock up there determined, knowing that there's a good chance... He plays Littler in the semi-final. He'll want revenge for that one as well. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going Luke Humphries, and I'm going pretty convincingly, 100-plus average, 6-1 uh, win for Luke Humphries. You had 6-2, didn't you? I'll just drop them down while I take everyone
2: else's. 6-2 is the result that's going to – that's the one that's happening. And – That just
1: leaves us now, Dan, with, we don't need to predict our semifinals and finals, but you can work out from who you had in yours. You've got a MVG Smith semifinal.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host and
1: a little humphrey semi-final i too have got mvg but against price and a a humphrey semi-final uh where are we going with the outright winner
2: i don't do this very often very rare I pick him to win anything but I've already Michael, written. Van Michael Van Gerwen is my prediction I went
1: rogue last week, I said Rob Cross, this week I've got him going out to Luke Littler because I think the little man wins it I think the German crowd might get a little bit excited about seeing Luke and I've got the nuke winning in germany yeah look, a lot of people making the same observation already given that we're writing off peter Wright pretty comfortably and rob cross might go on to lose and nathan aspinall or unless aspinall plays peter Wright in the near future it looks like at least two of our semi-finalists are going to keep being the same players Humphreys versus littler for the fourth time in 32 days if they meet in the semi-final with the potential of it happening another 14 times in the next few weeks. Minimum. Plus Euro Tours, plus Euro Tours, plus UK Open.
2: I've just looked ahead because I'm pretty excited about night five. But if we're going to see that game in Exeter, in the West Point Arena, it'll have to be the final. Interesting. And looking at the other draws that night, he probably got half a chance, you know. Humphrey's MVG opening game, so... One of them out the way quick.
1: Mm -hmm. It should be interesting to see it unfold. A reminder, we will be back with the fallout bar on Thursday night, or someone from the team will... I will be in Portsmouth refereeing the motor Super Series at that time, uh, but we will be here on the channel live reviewing all of the action uh, from night two of the Bet MGM Premier League at the conclusion of play here on the YouTube channel. Uh, with interview from the winner, all the instant reaction from all the goings on, uh, and a chance to look ahead to the following week. Um, interesting one. Do uh, Izzy says? Do you think this of? This week's Premier League players in Germany will play in the first players' championships a week today. I think some of them absolutely have to. Luke Littler, for one, because he will be chasing a top 16 order, um, pro to order of merit spot as soon as he can, so that he doesn't have to qualify for the Euro Tours. Uh, and a couple of others will be daft to not be there, in my opinion. But then again, they were daft to miss events at the back end of last year that cost them qualifying for the players' championship finals, a la Mr. Peter Wright, Nathan Aspinall. Um, Gerwin Price already missing a TV major is a significant worry, um, especially as he just started to look all right in the last two, I think, while he was in Bahrain and, and the Netherlands. I think what Gezi needs to do now is just consistently go at that, and the way to do that would have been to just keep playing. Um, I'll be surprised if any of them don't play in it for the first one it's the what you don't want to do is rock up on week six and find out all of the new tour card holders have got their feet under the table and are settled and are playing better darts than they would have week one when they walked in nervous and edgy and give everybody a chance to get in ready for the UK Open you want to go in there early set your stall out go no I'm still number one around here this is what you're going to have to do for the rest of the year to beat me And then if you need a break after something like the UK Open, that's the time to start missing a few Pro Tours. They've got Euro Tours, they're already in that. But especially those on the cusp of the top 16 on the Pro Tour Order of Merit as well. Look, we've kicked off about the fact that they are, if they're in the top 16, they're they're getting into the Euro Tours for nothing. They're playing on a Friday night. If they can go and up that to a top 16 Pro Tour Order of Merit as well, they get an extra day to travel. And I think that's massive.
2: Certainly is. Massive. It, it, it's absolutely huge. Um, I think it's a no-brainer to try and get there if there's something unless there's something that stops you from being there. As I say, we don't know what's going on with Gezi, Um, but if there's something that prevents you from being there, fair enough. But otherwise, I, I think for the big guns, is it's it is it's that first opportunity to just stamp your foot down. Um it's the new season, isn't it? You know, it's the, the new season is underway. You don't want people and and like we said earlier, you know, we talked about. I know we're talking about the Premier League lads, but some of it's tight. You know, we said it's two hundred and fifty quid between sixteenth and seventeenth. Like, there's these there's players going there, and they, and they've got to do bits, and and you want to be part of that. I think you know if you are one of the big players, you want to you want to get some, uh, you want to get some points on the board for this season. You want to start making sure that you're going to qualify for everything because there's some of these players defending a shit ton of money. And they're well out of form, some of them. Like they're a mile out of form and they're defending absolutely loads. So they 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 need to go out and earn ranking points. Otherwise, they'll find themselves not seeded for things and not qualifying for things. And then pottering around ranked number twenty-eight in the world, stamping their feet saying, Why aren't I in the Premier League? They will. They need to go and win Darth matches.
1: Correct. Yes, they do. Uh, Talking of winning dart matches, we move on now to the World Seniors. Uh, I've been in Reading for the last three weekends, presiding over the qualifiers for the 2024 Jennings Bet World Seniors Darts Championship uh, taking place at the Circus Tavern between the 15th and the 18th of February. Uh, 32 players competing for the trophy once again that Robert Thornton has won on back-to-back years. This will, of course, be Phil Taylor's last trip to the Circus Tavern as he's announced his retirement at the end of 2024. Uh, But I oversaw 10 players booking their spots uh, via the qualifiers or various routes of qualifiers, six outright players, uh, and four via various order of merits. The draw was completed at around 6 o'clock today, and this is how it looks uh, this is in draw bracket order as well, but we also do have that available for you uh, to show you in a couple of moments. Uh, Robert Thornton starts the defence of his title uh, against the Mutz Nuts from Yorkshire, Mr Martin Turner, one of the first players uh, to win through the qualifiers on weekend number one. Uh, Tony Shea returns to the World Team in the Dutch championship stage to take on debutante andy hamilton who will be back at the tavern once again uh, trina gulliver has been handed a tough start uh, against john henderson the highlander unseeded, but did pick up a floor title last weekend himself and robert thornton headed town to redden to get themselves tuned up uh, ahead of the tournament and kevin painter i uh, will probably not like the look of a jim McEwen qualifier uh, McEwen making the final of the world seniors match play in York last year came through the qualifiers on weekend number two. Um superb job from him. He beat Richard Eric Rowlands in that final who later qualified uh on the weekend, just gone. Uh, in the next quarter of the draw, Martin Adams will take on Dieter Hedman, those who will have been England teammates for a long, long time, two absolute stalwarts of the lakeside, the EDO, and know, anything else you can find in between with that one, uh, before David Cameron and
2: Jim Long, two Canadians, do battle up. Yeah, on what a that draw, right. That's how um, you get rid of the Canadians quick, isn't it? Draw against each other early dollars.
1: Cameron rocking up, winning a qualifier the very first time he entered, uh, went on to win the Masters. He was only in the country at that point because the Lakeside World Championships were going on. He'd been beaten at that time, booked himself a spot, won the Masters that very first year, beating Phil Taylor in the final, beating Richie House in the semi final as well, um, before literally being included in everything else since. Not picked up a title, barely won a game since. Uh, but he is handed a tie against his countryman, Jim Long, who Likewise, rocked up to a couple of the floor events last year, not the qualifiers in Newbury, because it coincided with him playing in the mode Super Series. Uh, has picked up three titles already now, including this qualifier, and the gentleman uh, will do battle with Excalibur. Uh, Terry Jenkins returns to the World Championship stage We haven't really? seen Terry in at the moment. It would be nice to see him do a little bit more against Paul Hogan who is the standout player on the floor at the minute. This time last year, we would have been sat here waxing lyrical about Richie Housen's dominance uh, on the floor and, and Colin McGarry, uh taking up some of that slack. Uh, since then, uh,
2: Paul Hogan has been just ridiculously consistent. That's what I was about to say. He's just been so consistent, hasn't he? Like just just keeps putting it together. It's it's really, really impressive. Um, just, just the level of, of that he's managing to maintain—it's fantastic.
1: The weekend's just gone. He had a last four, a last two, a last sixteen, a last two, a last four, a last sixteen—a title win, a qualifier win, a last two before that. He had an early loss in the Open Series one, last sixty-four, and that's his January results. He's had one early loss. Other than that, he's just accumulating points. Like nothing you've ever seen. He's now on 103 points uh, on the ranking, and he has a 19 point lead over second place, which is Mike Huntley. But he did go and win a qualifier, right? So we didn't come through that route in the end. To put that into perspective, Richie House had about an eight point lead at the point of his dominance, and he's about to lose some of those points as the two year cycle now kicks in and events start dropping off. Uh, Neil Duff, uh, the former Lakeside World Champion, takes on Richard Eric Rowlands, uh, the Welsh player. Lost in one final uh, in weekend number two to Jim McEwen, but then qualified in his only shot on weekend number three. Wasn't able to play on the Sunday, so he had to do it on the Saturday evening, uh, and he did it in superb fashion, beating Kevin Beness in that final. Uh, Phil Taylor, uh, his final trip to the tavern starts against Manfred Bildel of Germany, the former soft tip champion, uh, was competing in the German Super League earlier this year. He was the player... Uh, the 9 I was hit against. I can't remember who hit that 9 dart though. I always get the name wrong. It wasn't
2: Kurtz. He's won guys. a bit. He's won a bit, hasn't he?
1: The lad in he the soft round, yeah. He's played a couple of times on the Euro Tour, but perhaps hasn't quite made that switch.
2: No, so, the lad
1: he's playing, that Taylor fella. Oh, just a little, yeah. He's won a bit, hasn't he? Just a little bit. Not in the Seniors, though. Been to two televised finals now. Uh, but not picked up a win as yet. He's got one last year to do that, four events, uh, to potentially get over that line. Daryl Fitton uh, will take on Chris Mason. What a tie that is. That will also take place on the Friday night, I believe, uh, as the power, the winner of that will play the power. Uh, Scott Mitchell and Matt Clark have the honour of opening up the tournament on Thursday afternoon. Two players that will know each other through years of county darts, playing on the circuit, and of course more recently through the Super Series. Scott being a commentator down there and a player occasionally. Uh, Matt Clark uh, a regular down there. has made three Champions Weeks in five attempts. Uh, Lisa Ashton will start against Mike Huntley. Huntley, who was in great form heading into this event last year, it was drawn against Keith Deller. It didn't quite come together on TV at that moment. Uh, takes on the Lancashire Rose, who is looking sharper and sharper as she recovers from her elbow surgery just a few weeks ago. It's an all-target teammate battle between Glenn Durran and Mark Dubbridge as we enter the fourth quarter of the draw. Uh, Dozer takes on Flash, the man who hit the first and only to this day uh, World seniors, nine dark, led
2: the panel in, in a repeat green. of last year's round one match as well. They played each other round one last year, didn't they?
1: Yeah. We didn't see the best of those that year. We saw Dubbridge getting back to the form. I, I, the fear in this one, I guess, is that those a. Uh, Maybe better, but Dobbridge looks even sharper than before. He very nearly went and got himself a tour card a few weeks ago, uh, as did John Parr out of absolutely nowhere, by the way. Oh uh, he takes on oh Rich Housen, which will be the final game of the first round Friday night after Phil Taylor will House and John Parr. What about that could be? A uh, game that. Uh, Loves to rustle a few feathers. Uh, He will take on Richie Burnett, who was supposed to play in the inaugural hosting of this tournament. Went on to pick up a tour card, but returns two years later. And we close out with the unluckiest man in the World Seniors Darts Tour. Colin (laughs) Colin McGarry uh, takes on Leonard Gates. His draws have been absolutely brutal in the four events he's played in. Phil Taylor in this tournament last year. Who did he play I think Hendo maybe, or Thornton in another one. It's just been non-stop toughies for the Chief. One of these days, though, that's not just law of averages. The man's got something, and we've seen it on the floor often enough. He will take a big scalp sooner rather than later and get himself firmly into one of these tournaments, beaten by Kevin Painter in Hull in the quarterfinals, if I remember correctly. So there we have it then, Dan. The 32 players and their opponents for... The Jennings Bet World Seniors Darts Championship. Quick notification everybody watching that tickets are available. If you head to dartshop.tv, uh, you can pick up tickets for any of the sessions whilst you're there. Uh, TV coverage uh, will be on BBC Digital Services. That includes the Red Button and the BBC Sport website. that include or the iPlayer app as well? well. I'm not sure. I get mm. confused which way round they are every year. And I always say right? four of them, and it turns out it's only ever three of them. So uh, head to the post postings to, to see which ones are 100% correctly. Uh, and also via pay-per-view to a global audience and in the UK, if for some reason you can't get on to BBC within the UK or wherever you are, uh, it's 4.99 for the entire weekend pass, much reduced from the very, very first year. Uh, but your chart's watch every single session a bargain. of bargain.
2: The Jennings' back wall, team has done Eight, eight sessions of darts. An absolute bargain. This uh, we had. A, I know we had a little bit of a chat before we we went live on here and, and about the draw. I think there's some really, I think there's some really interesting opening round matches. I think there's some more interesting potential second round matches. I think there's some folk in there that will find them. That I, in that little quarter of the draw at the bottom of the bracket with Colin McCarry, Leonard Gates, Richie Burnett, the fact that we're gonna lose either Richie Burnett or Colin or, or Leonard Gates within the first two rounds is, is a desperately sad thing for the world team both. But exactly that. so we're gonna lose we're gonna lose at least one of them, maybe both, like is is a crime. But then again, within that quarter as well, you've got Colin McGarry, Leonard Gates, Richie Burnett, and then and I'm not without naming everyone, Mark Doveridge in there as well, Richie House, and who we've seen do some amazing things on the seniors, John Part, who who knew what he had. We saw him in I saw him in York last year. Didn't seem to show a great deal, but absolutely turned up to Q School. And those names are all in a in a tiny little part of that draw, and we're not going to see any of those folks go deep, or we'll see more than one of them go deep in this tournament. But I think there's loads of potential for some really, really good games in there. I think there's up at the top end of the draw, there's opportunities. I think there's more opportunities at the top end of the draw, um, or the top half for people to, to go on a bit of a run. And I think in that topic it'll depend on who brings their A game. I think because John Henderson could turn up, players A game, and, and work his way through to a to a semi final. Um, as could Jim McEwen. As could Robert Thornton. Um, we've seen all sorts of interesting things from David Cameron again, not for a little while, but. We 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 in his early stages of the world seniors, we saw some great stuff from him. Neil Duff again. If he turns up and plays plays his A game, could just work his way through that bracket. Um fascinating, really, really interesting. I get that everyone knows I, I love watching the seniors and and I think we're particularly lucky this year with personnel. Um and and the, I think the draw is great. But again, like we just talked a minute or two ago about the level of consistency we've seen from Paul Hogan, Paul Hogan could just work his way through that bracket as well. Um, loads of really good potential se- connotations of semi-finals and quarterfinals. So I think it's a really, really exciting, uh, really exciting draw. Love it.
1: It is indeed. You know what's coming next, don't you? Your prediction. We'll have uh, four semi-finalists. I okay. think we'll, we'll play down to a final four. Chat right. and know the same. So in each of the four sections of the draw, so anybody between Robert Thornton and Jim McEwen for Section 1, uh, Martin Adams to Richard Eric Rowlands down to yeah. Section 2, Phil Taylor to Mike Huntley in Section 3, and Glenn Durant down to Colin McGarry in Section 4.
2: Right, so... Section one yours, will be won by Jim McEwen. Jim McEwen will get to a semi-final through that section. And in that semi-final, he will play between two. See the Neil Duff or Paul Hogan. And again, just because of the way the draw works out, I'm convinced it's either one of them two in the semi-final. But if they both win their opening match, they meet in the second round and the other one's gone early. Um, who do I think? Paul, I, I'm going to have to say Paul Hogan with the greatest respect to Neil Duff It, it just on consistency of recent performances, just, just the way where his game's at at the minute. So semi-final number one is Jim McEwen against Paul Hogan. Semi-final number two... I think this is the hardest one to pick because I think everyone in there is is very unpredictable in terms of what we're going to see from them. I could make a case for almost all of them and I could make a case for almost all of them going out in the first round. Uh, but I think that common sense says it should be Scott Mitchell coming through that section. And the bottom one, again, like I said, I think it's by far the hardest one to pick, but appreciate Mark Dubridge has played some excellent darts. Richie Housen has been really, really dominant on the floor in seniors' events. John Park played good at Q School. And Leonard Gates is Leonard Gates.
1: He did win an Open in the States over the weekend. Only a $500 top prize, but... But... 90-something in the
2: final 5-0 win. But, 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 but... Sometimes what we... But in that, I just think it's too hard in that field to not just say Richie Burnett. Um, so, so there, so I'll say it. So, um, yeah, so it's semi-final two is Scott Mitchell against Richie Burnett. So, there's your four semi-finalists from me.
1: I'll be honest, mate. Of that bottom section, I was looking at four names and Richie Burnett was not one of them. Well... <laughs> Although I, I did forget his challenge, video, <laughs> I did forget his recent challenge tour form. Uh, for me, it, it's so difficult not to just. That the last few years, I've really gone to yeah. get there, and then he gets there, and then I rock up to the next event on the floor, and he goes, "See, I told you I'd do it. I don't care about the floor events. I just want to win the TV once." And it's hard to not put him into that situation again. But the problem, his concern in that are his compatriots. John Henderson, look, the first year he rocked up, he played a couple of floor events, which are qualifiers as well. So he felt a little bit uncomfortable being there or needing to be there to earn ranking points. Uh, he then walked into a room where he's immediately installed as favourite. And I don't think that suits John Henderson. But well, I also no. don't think that is going to be the case this time around. I think the book is going to have a really hard time. Choosing who's favorite for this tournament, by the way, it will probably be Leonard Gates, given the fact that he is heading uh, for the Grand Slam. But we'll talk about that in section four. Uh, but if Thornton is going to be stopped, it's going to be Henderson or McEwen for me. Kev is quality on that stage and he has a lot of support. But the form that I saw
2: from Jim over the last couple of weekends compared to Kev, who've oh, been as well and i appreciate i'm interrupting but i just think sometimes credit's due where it's due not only is kevin being brilliant on that stage but he's an absolutely massive asset to the world seniors just as a bloke in the building like the few times that i've been and i've been lucky enough to go a few times to world seniors events the amount of time that that guy takes in the room to get around people and speak to them and talk to them and have photographs took with them and the photographs that he had took with like with billy when i've been there and chatting to the kids like it, it it can't be understated what an asset Kevin Painter is to the the world seniors um scene. Uh, he, he's a he's a really really good bloke. Sorry to interrupt you. I just think it's no, um, you're right, mate. the inv- worth shouting out he's when it, when, when we get the opportunity.
1: One of the players that's been invited that has turned up to Newbury to chase ranking points and has played the last few weekends in Reading as well. Like he wants to play darts and he wants to play take part in a seniors tour. So I, I completely agree with that one. Where am I going with this? I'm going Hendo. Just. I think he goes double Scott. Section one. Section two. I don't have Paul Hogan. I think he's been so dominant on the floor, but my concern is his TV because... Paul Hogan has been so dominant in floor events for 20 years. It's sort of what he's made a living doing. He's been the professional amateur. We've seen him have runs at the UK Open. Yes. We saw him make the semi finals in York last year. Yes. Do I think he can go and do that again? If he plays the darts he's been playing the last few events, then 100%. Can he do it to get past Terry Jenkins, Neil Duff, and then Jim Long? Not for me. And because of that, I'm going. I think
2: Jim Long just shades it past Duff in that quarterfinal. Frustrating, you know. Every time you try and get onto Paul Hogan's Wikipedia page, you all you end up with the fella from Crocodile Dundee, don't you? <laughs> every uh, time. Section
1: number three, uh, one. Oh, I think Chris Mason will come through that top a little bit. I think he'll beat Fitting, and then I think he'll have a great shot at Taylor, Um, as long as he gets a chance to practice. Obviously, he's been away with the World Series. He's still managing the pub uh, and was in Milton Keynes last week. Particularly Um, good
2: pub as well. That Very good pub, that.
1: Host of the first ever uh, Online Darts Live Lounge Live. Uh, Thank you very much to Chris and Charlotte for hosting us. Um, But I do think he's beaten by Matt Clark. It would be so Matt Clark to have lost in five qualifying finals for various TV events in the last two and a half years to get over the line in the sixth and final attempt possible for this tournament and then go on a run to the semi-final and and be vindicated for just keep going and whilst he isn't in the sharpest of form that we've seen him in the last year or so, he put in 108 average in the semi-final at the weekend and has made it to three Champions Weeks in the Moda Super Series. That takes some doing. <laughs> that takes a lot of doing. Um, so I'm going to say Matt Clark beats Chris Mason in that quarterfinal to make the semi final. And in the very bottom quarter of the draw, this is an absolute minefield. A nightmare, um, isn't it? That quarter is absolutely brutal. I think it'll be How soon? I think it will be Burnett. And the bottom one's an absolute coin toss if, if we get the right. Uh, McGarry. Um... I've literally just changed my mind on this at the very, very last minute. I've been eyeing up Dubbridge for a long time. He is in some great form. But... That circus tavern crowd are superb. And they are very supportive of one man in particular. I think Richie makes the semis again. I was a little bit worried last year that perhaps it that a little bit. It's
2: nightmare that bottom section. Yeah. It could be any one of them. It really could be any well, uh, yeah, arguably any one of them, but yeah. it could be any one of six out of eight
1: richard started to play a, a fair bit of snooker at the back end of last year and i was a little bit worried that perhaps he was taking his eye off the ball but look to rock up and win a ranking event like he did last weekend um yeah i'm, I'm confident in richie again if it's there it will click for richie and if he gets the pressure right i haven't spoke to him yet but i know last year he booked to stay in a hotel despite living five minutes around the corner he booked in to one of the two premier inns that are within relatively close distance to go through the preparation and get it right, and I'm pretty sure we'll go and do the same thing.
2: How's his snooker?
1: It's okay. It's getting there. Is it? He's better than Boise.
2: Well, I mean, <laughs> you mean he can hold the he can hold the cue, can he? He can, he can <laughs> the steady. right way around.
1: He's got a steady poke on him. I think we'll say good. Uh, but yeah, that's my four. So I went Henderson, Jim Long, Matt Clark. Richie Housen as my final four. Well, we've um,
2: got four, we've got we've got four completely different semi finalists, haven't we?
1: Which I think just shows how open this tournament is. Yeah.
2: Well, that's why it's exciting. That is genuinely why it's exciting. Like I, I think, yeah, if you don't look at that draw and look at the bracket and see the complete carnage, the potential in there, like you don't like that. Like if you can't look at that and think, like there's some absolutely potentially brilliant games to, to be seen on potentially free TV if you're in the UK. Like, tough to be a Darts fan, isn't it? hmm Class. Coming in from your final four, who wins it? Oh, that's the hardest question of the lot. And... <laughs> I'll tell you why, do you know why it's so open? You said who wins it then. And I nearly said to someone that I didn't pick to be in the semi-final. <laughs> that's how... What... my four and gone... Oh, I really fancy one of them to win. Yeah, that's how that's how open it is. Is I nearly gave you a, I nearly named Neil Duff as the winner. Then having <laughs> like, already paid for Paul Hogan to beat him in the second round. Um, <laughs> therefore, right. So what were my semi-finals? Jim McEwen against Paul Hogan? Jim McEwen will beat Paul Hogan in the semi-final. And I said Richie Burnett against Scott Mitchell.
1: I hate to tell you, but the head to head between McEwen and Hogan on the floor in the last three is 3 0 Paul Hogan.
2: This isn't on the floor, though, is it? this That's no. the thing. This isn't on the floor. And that's why I said Jim McEwen will beat Paul Hogan in a semi final on a stage, on the telly, on BBC, and I'll be watching. So
1: <laughs> I'll be there. <that.
2: laughs> so then Scott Mitchell will get beat by Richie Burnett. Richie Burnett will play Jim McEwen in the final. And at that point, I'm finding it really tough to not pick Jim McEwen to win. Um, do you know, I, I could genuinely make an argument for 10 of the players to win this, but if I break down what I think will probably happen in each game, which you'll probably be a million miles away from what actually happens, I think Jim McEwen beats Richie Burnett in the final. So, obviously,
1: I have four completely different semi-finalists. I have uh, Jim Long, John Henderson, Matt Clark, Richie Howson... <laughs> Do you know what? I was sat on Dubridge for so, so long. And in a section with McGarry and Gates as well. The fact we've both just took one look at Gates and gone, he's going for four out of four. He's been so dominant in the last three. He was only beaten in the quarterfinals of this last year by a very, very impressive Richie Howson And <laughs> the worry I've got here, by the way, is the is the two players we're about to pick between us will not appreciate us picking them one little bit because they both absolutely love to go under the radar. Don't like the pressure.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm yeah. not having it that me picking someone to win. Like, no. I'm, I'm sure there are analysts that hold much more weight. I, th- I don't think anyone's stressing about Dan Simpson's picks. Um
1: You'll be surprised because I definitely reckon I'll get a message when I tell you that Richie Halson wins the title. See,
2: again, like... That Richie's dead heart and again I, I'm not quite sure how I've ended up not having Richie to win it, to get to the semi-final because again 90% and of the, the mind time I've been of a
1: part of the draw and I've looked at like
2: Dubbridge is still just kicking me in the
1: face because he's been so so good but I just it's think that that's section, it? If, that... this was, if this was any other venue I don't think I'd have Richie there and once I've got him there it's hard to not put him to get over the line because of who else is there for me But because it's the Tavern, I think that's where he gets that extra 5% to get past the likes of Dubbridge. Do I think it's Burnett, Gates or McGarry? I have absolutely no idea. Sorry, Keith Della.
2: <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, unfortunately, like Keith, Keith and Glenn are probably not getting enough um, from us in that. But I, but I just think that is because like current form and recent evidence. Like that's not, it's not in any way a knock. Like everybody who's ever watched this channel knows how I feel about Glenn Durant Um, and, and him in the world of darts. Like it's, it's just trying to put me sensible head on with, you know, recent form and, and, and maths to, to, to what I think is going to happen. But I, I think that bottom quarter is absolutely brutal. You could make an argument for, for all of them. Um, I think the quarter above that is a bit of a lottery, a complete lottery. If I'm honest, the quarter above that um, top one's got some real threats in it. I, you you feel, and I tell you what's interesting. I think we're, we're on the same thought process. Is that the winner is coming from quarter one and qu- or quarter four? In it, that's where the, your finalists are coming. Your finalists are coming from. Because within those quarters, each one of them, you got three, four, five people you could pick and say, oh, yeah, they could be in a final. So yes. the, the the winners are coming from quarter one and, and, and quarter four, I think, aren't they?
1: I believe so. Look, shout out to Jim Long. I think he's been in great form. Um, the fact that he's travelled back home today and we'll be back again for the tavern, I think if he'd been able to settle again for another week or so, go after another UK Open spot, he's already been to one qualifier. He's introduced to the chaos of this... Uh, riley's london victoria uh on the sunday last weekend um i think i may have him go all the way but that might catch up with him just a little bit
2: um yeah we we haven't finished uk open qualifiers yet have we we've still got them to come we do there are some next weekend Uh, i know we've had some i saw some interesting names qualify um very pleased to see Conor Scott there. I'm more pleased because you and I, Jack, are going to be there, aren't we? We're go- Not only are we going to be in the West Point Arena in... Where are we going? Exeter. Exeter. I need to Essex about six times there. <laughs> not only are we going to Exeter, but we're going from Exeter to minor. We're going we're not- from
1: Essex to Miner overnight, mate. We've got a bloody long way to
2: go. You will not find me in Essex, mate. I don't have any of the criteria required to knock around around there.
1: Um,
2: <laughs> but yeah, don't know if I can't do my air proper or anything. Um, but and then we're going to mine it, aren't we? So, I, I'm, so I'm watching with intrigue the UK Open qualifiers more so than ever before because we're going to be in that big multi board room watching them all play out. Very, very pleased to see Conor Scott mark his, mark his place there. Obviously, Conor was unfortunate, I think, to lose his tour card. Mm-hmm. Um, lots and lots of opportunities open to him. Now you know he, he had a good showing at Q School, not quite good enough. So really pleased to see Connor get down there. I think there's a lot of interest. So in the you, you know darts four legs in the day as well, oh. Something
1: ridiculous.
2: Sorry, what's that? Scott only dropped something like four legs all day. Yeah, ridiculous. Like, but he's a ridiculous player, and he? he's un- he's unbelievably talented. And certainly the last six months of having his tour card, he he played some amazing darts. It, it was the slow start that that really hurt him, I think, in terms of getting his, getting up and running with that tour card um, and a bit of a, a wobble in the middle. There's lots on social media we'll be pleased to see the Prince of Darkness has managed to secure a spot at the UK Open as well. Ash Coleman's going to be there. So we, we are starting to see, and, and it is interesting, isn't it, now? And again, there's, there's lots of players who are able to have a profile in darts and build themselves up and and unknown and I know a few of them are ex tour card holders, a bit like Connor Scott. But interesting that you, you know you, you we are finding these known players coming through these um these UK Open qualifiers. But there's still some more to come, and it's a complete lottery, isn't it? You could get anyone. Yeah, I think the last couple are next week at the weekend. Come in. Are you tempted? I told you little... to um. To, Tempted to go to one? Throw some data? I mean, I know you we're already booked in, in our accommodation, but you're not tempted to um pie us off for a game instead. No comment.
1: Well, there isn't one near me anymore. Obviously, I used to run them at Riley's Nottingham a long time ago. I was employed by Rileys for a couple of years, so I used to Part of my job was to to run those competitions because I understood competitions and now I'm tournament director for the seniors. It's funny how things go like that. Um, but I did get a message from a player that is in the Super Series this week, uh, who is heading to London, Victoria on Sunday. Now I'm staying in Portsmouth on Sunday because I'm refing Monday, Tuesday of Champions Week next week. So I may venture to the capital on Sunday and and have a look.
2: Well. You should take it out I haven't told him that yet.
1: <laughs> you should um, take your
2: darts with you. You never know what might happen, do you?
1: I'm to, I think they might be in my bag somewhere. We'll see how I feel uh, when I arrive on Wednesday. Uh, Ten minutes to go before the end of tonight's show. So this is where we open up for question time. If you've got anything, get it into the chat room. And uh, there's a couple quickly back on the seniors. Uh, Malik says, when is it starting? So the World Seniors Dark Championship takes place between the
2: 15th and the 18th of February, so a week on Thursday. It's uh, worth putting on... some effort into Valentine's Day so you can get yourself a pass to watch the darts for the following few days. I don't need to. Mine's off to China on Wednesday for 16 days. Oh, well played.
1: Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I've played. got to take it to Gatwick on my way to Portsmouth, which is completely out of the way. So I could have flown from Heathrow, at least done after half around around the M25. But it is what it is.
2: Swings roundabouts.
1: Yeah. Um, Is the order of play out? It is out. Uh, All four graphics are now live on the World Seniors Darts uh, social media channels. Uh, What channel is it on? It will be on BBC Digital Services. You can get it on the BBC Sport website. Um, Where's the other wording? I don't want to get it wrong. Potentially the iPlayer. It was live on the iPlayer, Red Button and BBC Sport website. Uh, It's the correct wording. So, yeah, it will be on all of those. Um, yes, yeah, so you got a TV pay-per-view. license, or you're not allowed to have it, or you can pay for the pay per view uh via the live streaming service. If you haven't got a TV yeah. license, yeah. uh, 4.99 for the weekend, I believe it is. Um, Very reasonable. Can, uh, book the webcasts now. Um, tickets are still available if you want to be there in person as well, starting from just £16.50. Uh, some brilliant sessions, uh, to come as well. Thursday afternoon, when we open up. Uh, Scott Mitchell, Matt Clark, the very first game on, David Cameron versus Jim Long, Trina Gulliver against John Henderson and Terry Jenkins against Paul Hogan. Uh, The Thursday evening session gets a little bit fiery. Lisa Ashton against Mike Huntley. Uh, Neil Duff will take on Richard Eric Rowland. Uh, Glenn Durant will take on Mark Dudbridge and Kevin Painter against Jim McEwen will close out the Thursday sessions where we'll have already lost a quarter of the field. Uh, Friday afternoon, Martin Adams will take on Dieter Hedman first up. The defending champion, Robert Thornton, will do battle with Martin Turner. Uh, Keith Deller will take on Richie Burnett. Antonio Shea uh, will battle Andy Hamilton to wrap it up. And in that bumper Friday night session, gets a load of this. Uh, 7 p.m., Leonard Gates against Colin McGarry. 8pm, uh, Daryl Fitton against Chris Mason. Nine o'clock, Phil Taylor will take on the Beaver, Manfred Bildel of Germany. And 10pm, Richie Housen against John Part. What? A session of darts.
2: What a session of darts that is, isn't it? Absolutely, unbelievably exciting. Really cool. Indeed. Um... Has Scott Waits gone to any Riley's
1: qualifiers or WF events or really go modus? I don't know about any, to be honest. Um, I've not I'm seen not his seen name in any Riley's qualifiers. I don't think there's anything yeah. anywhere near Yorkshire. You'd have to go towards Manchester to Riley's Chalton, I believe. Correct.
2: You you're not, If you want UK Open, don't bother anywhere near the northeast of England. It's an absolute. I live in Aberdeen. Uh. Yeah, like, yeah, I can go to. I can drive across to the opposite coast, or I can go to Aberdeen. That's yeah. about your option if you're in the northeast. It's not fun. We need more more accessibility, please, for the northeast. It's like HS2 all over again.
1: We're not bringing politics into this. The Prime Minister was mentioned earlier with Luke Humphreys. Don't you start. You should know better. Uh, in the chat room, will Phil Taylor play his A-game and win a match as it's last time? Your guess is as good as ours. Uh, and also comes with, does Taylor have a proper practice routine for this year? Again, no idea. It's not as if I've got him on speed dial or something. He normally says he practices with his grandson. Adrian Lewis has been out of action. It would have been nice if perhaps he got in touch to, to give himself a nice little boost uh, ahead of
2: his last hurrah. Um, do we know if we're seeing Adrian um, Players' Championship you know Pro Tour event number one? Do, we, do we, No idea. I know we can go and see him in
1: minor in the fan zone, but no idea if he's actually going to chuck any darts at any point. Um, the WDF Dutch Darts Open was won by Bo Greaves, Women's and Jarno Bottenberg Men's. It was indeed a ridiculous feat over the weekend, by the way. Um... Is that Bo Greaves in the double in the women's pairs quarter final, uh, partnered with Joe Rolls, seven oh one legs. Bo Greaves opens one eighty, Joe Rolls forty one. Bo Greaves one eighty, Joe Rolls forty one. Bo Greaves one eighty, Joe Rolls thirty nine. Bo Greaves tops in one five hundred and eighty points in ten darts, is truly ridiculous. Carine. from bow and arrow carrying joe to that title and end. she did win the women's singles jano bottenberg we saw him at the Moda super series last year and that really exciting group that david schlichting uh and the introduction of tom lonsdale in it um he's already booked a spot as a return to the super series later in the year but he will certainly be getting more call-ups after winning such a high profile title a 131 to win it as well for the young Dutchman, another one who absolutely flies around the board. Superb achievement for him. Uh, James says, What does Littler have to win to get to the top 16? I think something it's big, open a couple of Euro tours. He's got to win something big. Uh, where is he now? 31 in the world, 202, 16 is 371. And the UK is 100, so he's still got to find 70 grand from somewhere. Uh, Christian Perez news if you missed it. Yes, his visa was granted on the 2nd of February, so he will be travelling to the UK to play in the first batch of uh, Pro Tour events this year. I mean, he did say at the World Cup last year his visa issues were sorted when he played in a couple in Germany and then represented the Philippines in the World Cup. Clearly they weren't, uh, but the management have put out a statement. uh, Is Work placement, whatever, will be sponsored by the PDPA uh, and his management will be fronting the fees. So uh, Christian Perez is free to compete
2: this year. British Foreign Office, once again, covering themselves in absolute glory, taking 12 months to fill in a form.
1: Yeah. Let's not even start on the Indians, by the way. Funny how it kicks off on Twitter and suddenly our spinners are allowed in the country, isn't <laughs> it? Honestly. Yeah, brilliant. Um How many games does Wright genuinely win in this year's Premier League? That was a question I was going to throw back at you earlier, Dan. And it wasn't about how many games does he win this year. But we were talking about the fact that Dobie had done pretty well last year. Peter Wright's record is terrible. And yet he was still selected. If he goes winless again this year, as in nightly wins, the only player to not win a night last year, if he doesn't, and that's how much more pressure is going to be under that. If he doesn't win a night for a second year in a row, no matter what he does next year, surely they can't consider picking him because the format just isn't right for it.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think Peter Wright's in the Premier League next year. I, I just can't see a scenario where that happens. Um, I, I think he'll pick a, a, a win or two up. I don't. He won't win a night. I don't think he'll win um he'll'll he'll, he'll win one or two first round matches because the law of averages just states if you play enough people, one of them will have an off day and you'll beat them averaging 93 or so, you know like the, sooner or later he'll, he'll play someone who has a stinker and he'll and he'll beat them um so I don't think he'll be pointless or, or winless altogether. But I I don't think he wins a night. I think he, um, and I don't think we see him in the Premier League next year. I just don't think he'll, I don't think he can justify the pick. Not when you've got players that will be, you're going to have a considerable number of players above him in the rankings. Unless he goes really deep in something this year. And who's currently picking that to happen? I mean, it could happen. Like, I'm not saying it won't, but he's going to have to go deep in a number of tournaments to, to just maintain his ranking. So he's he's gonna. So then you're gonna come around to the you're gonna come around the Premier league, the league next year, and you're gonna potentially point the finger to say, he's outside the top ten, he's not won anything since the European like into which let's just be that's what we're predicting, and he had an absolutely stinker of a Premier League two years in a row. You cannot make the case. You are then you are literally just then down to. He wears funny trousers. That's it. That is your entire, that is your entire. Do you know what you need to do at that point? Go and have a word with Stephen Bunting. See if he'll put some funny trousers on. Because, because your only are
1: is... a different flag next trousers. to his name on Dark Connect.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: But... <laughs> well, let me phrase it differently then. If, for the second time in two years, he doesn't win a night, And given the fact he's only made the final four twice in what would then be 11 attempts, not 10. How much has he got to do to be included outside of winning the World Championships?
2: Uh, Match play. If he wins the match play, I think the match, match play is a golden ticket. You can point to all the other, you know, you can point to the... Masters, and you can point and UK Open. You know we've seen UK Open winners not make it in the Premier League. You can point to other different bits and pieces and say, "Ah, oh, yeah, well, is that a major? Is it like I think if you win the match, I don't think really, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Dan Simpson. If you win the match play, you're in the Premier League. For for me, yeah, I like that if one. We, the, the, It's difficult to qualify for the match play. It's a bloody difficult tournament to win. It's it's one of the premier tournaments it's a premier tournament of the summer isn't it it's the biggest event of the summer in terms of darts um that for me is the ticket in if you win the match play don't care who you are or where you're ranked in the world if you win the match play you should be in the premier league you can i, I would happily make the case on any other major match player's a major you're in
1: for me. <laughs> I completely agree. A couple more to go. How does a PDT next-gen weekend work in Germany? I'll be honest, not a clue. It's not something I've read up on just yet. I've been working with over 50s, not under 25, so I'll have to take a look into that one. I'm sure there'll be someone on social media that could help you out in that one, though. Uh, Paul says, what does Bunting CV look like at the end of the year? Do we think he has another major from here, Dan? It's hard
2: to... I mean, it's hard to say, no, he's not going to win anything this year, isn't it? But because, it's also
1: hard to pinpoint which one he does win when you've got Littler, Humphreys, Sam Kerwin, Price, right. Clayton needs a title, Cullen, Dobie need titles, Aspinall won the match play last year, Danny
2: Noppert's no mug right. still. All right, then. Here you go. He is a, a, a way out there prediction of what he'll win this year, right? Stephen Bunting will win the slam. I like it. Semi-final last year, I think that's... And he might win somewhere else, but I, I do think he'll pick something else up this year. If you, if someone put a gun to my head and said, pick somewhere, what does he win? Yeah, Grand Slam. Stephen Bunty wins the Slam this year.
1: Indeed. Uh, and I think we'll end on this one. Will MVG finally get warned about standing over the line? No. i uh, this up uh, millions and millions of times. Apparently, according to the PDC rules and what they're prepared to act on, he's not in the inclusion zone until he is fully in the inclusion zone, feet over the edge of the map, which a lot of players do to be comfortable, go and price another who apparently stands that close, but it doesn't get noticed Anyone anyway, near as often is not enough for the PDC to take any sort of action. Hang on,
2: just sorry, just I and mean, I apologize for cutting you off there. In a sport where we literally throw from an hockey, which is a specific line from which you have to be behind. Are we now supposed to collude in the illusion that the, the
1: next
2: second line behind it is a sort of fluffy gray area and, so much of a percentage of your shoe could be over it. If you wear, if you've got bigger, if you've got bigger feet, you can have a pass because you and as long as your heels, not over it, but if you're wearing stilettos or like, what I, I cannot understand in, in a sport where one of our only, let to be honest, we're not a sport that is overrun with rules and, 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 you know, logistics. One of the only rules we have is where you have to stand that we've put some sort of imaginary grey area behind it. It's happened. and Look, I'll be honest, I feel like if this was a player
1: outside the 32 that was doing it and that they'd made a big deal about it, perhaps they would have cut down on it earlier. But I think because he's done it for so, so long and it wasn't noticed for so long and then players are only just picking up on it, it's sort of a case of, well, it's not been an issue for 10 years. He's only just there. Let's not make a big issue out of it with a second referee. And then telling him he's got to change something because he'll just keep doing it and take
2: fines, etc. because he's in that sort of position. What we need now is we need, especially in the Premier League, because it's becoming a bit more prevalent, is we need this ultimate heel-turn bad guy, Peter Wright, just to start pointing it out every time. Like, Peter Wright seems to be in the mood, doesn't he? And if that's who's going to do it. Is certainly with the current... Um, climate and the interviews and the attitude he seems to be taking. That's why it needs. It needs Peter Wright to, to point it out in the Premier That's League. The interview. only way it
1: changes is if a player stops on every single turn that Michael encroaches or anybody encroaches, yeah. they're in price the same, and cause that. But we saw Dimitri do it to Van Gogh a couple of times in the past, didn't we? And Van Gogh just looked through him as if to say, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, it's... Um, it, it needs I a ruckus to kick off if players are concerned about how close they are. But I guess it's just one of the things that we as darts nerds
2: notice that the players aren't that asked about until it's going wrong. Well, I just think we we'll don't have the bloody line there then. Like, I just... I, it's it's absurd. I don't Like, yeah, in, in a sport where one of the only rules you've got is stand behind the line, you either have a line that stand behind or you don't. And then you just do away with it and make them just fight each other out and elbow each other and, like... I'm not against. I'm not one of these people that campaigns for an exclusion zone and says it should be this size. I just think if you're going to have a rule, have a bloody rule. And if you're not going to have a rule, fine. But you you got you to gotta pick a horse and, and back it, haven't you?
1: Solid advice from Mr Simpson as we wrap up today's show. Uh, a big, big thank you to Dan for joining me throughout and to everybody in the chat room uh, for joining us throughout for this two-man Live Landry, we promise you this will not become the norm here on the channel, but a family emergency has dictated us at short notice. Uh, so we do appreciate if you've stuck with just us two uh, ranting on throughout the evening. Uh, reminder that the Fallout Bar returns on Thursday night for night two of the Bet MGM Premier League uh, from Berlin. Uh, we'll have post match uh, reaction from the winner uh, and anything else we can discuss throughout the night uh, brought to you as soon as the action is finished. This will be available as an audio only podcast uh, in the morning, hopefully Uh, it might be a slight delay on that as well. I'm not going to promise that given that the editor is is currently out of action. Um, But a big thank you. If you are listening back on audio only, we don't forget you. Uh, we do really
2: appreciate you. We've had some really good news about the platform that we use. It's using. how I take most of this show in, to be completely honest. Most of the time I don't get to watch it live and I use that audio on Apple Podcasts when I'm driving to work and driving to and from. I'm I'm one of the regular audio only listeners, so I, it, it's nice to know others are in the in the same boat as me.
1: If I had the choice not to look at Lee Boyce, I'd probably take it too. So excellent decision, Dan. Uh, And with that note, mate, that serves him right for missing tonight's show. He's got away a little bit scot-free this evening. Uh, But a big, big thank you to everybody who has tuned in. Uh, We've been online darts. This has been the Live Lounge. And as soon as I find the video, still looking, we'll see you all very, very soon.